Hi, everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, uh, Texas, on Monday, October the 30th. We like to do on Mondays, we'll be chatting with our friend uh, Bill Katz, the editor of Urgent Agenda. Bill, welcome. It's always great to have you. Pleasure to be with you, Silvio, uh, on this uh, eventful day, eventful, because the entire month is eventful. That's uh, right. Did, did you think four weeks ago that we the world would be involved in a major war? And it is a major war. And we've been saying all along when we discuss politics, you never know what could intervene in a political campaign. That's so right. Now, now we have total disruption. That's right. That's exactly right. Um, I wanted to briefly uh, just take a little detour for just a second, Bill, and go back to 1938. If this was 1938, I guess the Depression was still pretty pretty rough in the country, um, and people were beginning to, to listen to their radios on Sunday night. And there's some, this amazing broadcast by a fellow named Orson Welles about the War of the Worlds. And if, if anybody has ever listened to that, and I have, I've done so, several times, I can certainly understand why people were scared. I mean, that was so well done, Bill. Um, and and it just it was just one night. And is it true that people were actually jumping from balconies? I've read that. Well, that I don't know, but I know that people were frightened. They believed it was real because it was done so realistically. And nobody at the network apparently cautioned and said, wait a minute, what if people believe that this is actually happening? And I'd imagine if somebody said that, the reaction would have been, hey, that's good. That makes it even better. Uh, but yes, there was a nation that was very much afraid. The power of radio, the power of the of news media is very great. And I think we saw that just a few weeks ago in the most horrible way during the uh, Israel-Hamas uh, war when a fake report about the bombing of a hospital went around the world and generated enormous crowds and protests and riots, and the news organizations that were involved still have not apologized. Yes, no, that you're exactly right. And but I've always felt that what makes radio even more scary than television is because you cannot see it. And so, like even in a baseball game, to me, if you listen to that famous home run, you know the Giants win the pennant. Yeah, it's. It's much better on the radio. I've seen them both. I've seen the video and I've, I've heard the audio. And I'd rather hear the audio. To me, it's more more fantastic, though. Yes, and also with audio, with just radio, you can use your imagination. And you yes. can imagine what the scene looks like. Uh, in fact, I remember as television, I'm, I'm old enough to remember, as television was coming in, uh, we had a teacher in school who taught, we had a, a class called Radio Workshop, where you learned radio, and she said that, that, that she thought it was very sad because people would not be able to use their imagination. Everything will be given to them. And I think there's some truth to that. Absolutely. Well, to me, the radio is a little bit like reading a book. Um, and I had the experience, uh, as many boys do, of reading Treasure Island by Robert Louis Stevenson. And many boys, you know, they I guess boys used to read that back then. I don't know what they read now, but that's what they used to read back then. And uh, I remember then watching the movie and I felt cheated. I felt that uh, my imagination was better than the movie, Bill. Uh, well, yes, <laughs> it often was. Uh, yes. I think that uh, also radio is the kind of thing. And I, I had what I, I called in those days my programs. 
and they were radio programs. And I would come home from school and I had a regular block of radio programs that I would listen to every day. And uh, they became really part of American culture. Uh, the Lone Ranger, certainly. Uh, uh, Captain Midnight. Uh, the Shadow. Who knows what evil lurks in the minds of men? The Shadow knows. And you got to know those lines, that op those opening lines. Uh, and you could also, if you were so inclined and had a little extra cash, you could go out and buy bottles of Ovaltine chocolate drink, and if you and if and and and, and you could take off the label and send it with twenty five cents to the program, and they would have these regular offerings. I could get a, a Captain Midnight ring. I could get a um, uh, a, a, uh, a decoder, and I got I forgot, I forgot what I also got. Something that said, glowed in the dark. And I held a cat for a day. I put, I hung it in my uh, what they call the wardrobe in my school, and it was missing by the time I got back. So I, I didn't do that too often. But radio was very much a part of our lives, and many of the big original television stars got their start in radio. Right now, I'm just curious, Bill. When you sent the twenty-five cents, did you actually send a quarter or a money order? You sent a quarter, and and, and you could, <laughs> but you could send stamps. Oh, okay. uh, say 25 yeah. cents in stamps. They would say 25 cents in stamps or coin, coin, <laughs> two syllable word, coin, uh, to Captain Midnight. And you got his decoder. And then and, and if you had a decoder, you could get the secret messages. Oh, wow. Well, that, uh, those, see, what this new generation is missing. I love to see my, uh, my grandsons are too little for that, but I love to see them in a few years be able to. To use your imagination like that, Bill. Well, yes, and also uh, you you got to memorize certain things. Every American boy knew the opening to the Lone Ranger. And if you didn't know the opening to the Lone Ranger, you got deported. You got deported to another country because <laughs> you weren't truly an American. And everyone knew that the, the music played was from the William Tell Overture. And... Uh, and and you learned about sound effects from that. Um, and uh, I remember once going, my school took us to a uh, one of the local uh, radio stations, and the sound effects guy was there to show us how they simulated the horse in uh, the, the in, in the Lone Ranger. And he said, "Kids, whenever you hear a sound effect of a horse, make sure to count the hooves." Horses have four hooves, not three. And the the radio guys who weren't very good would go ba ba bum ba ba bum ba ba bum ba ba bum ba ba bum. Whereas actually, a horse goes ba 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 bum ba 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 bum ba 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 bum. And I learned about horses. You could learn a lot from that stuff. No, I mean that's that's just great stuff. I mean that's how you make make a kid grow up and have all kinds of of positive things to do with his time. I I I think it's absolutely absolutely great and something. I guess it's it's lost. It's never going to come back. I guess you know that. No, that's right. That's all gone. Well, Orson Welles, eighty-five years ago. I guess it would have been tonight. Yes, eighty-five years. Ago tonight. He he later went on to make one of the great American movies called Citizen Kane. That's right. Yes, he did. That was I guess a few years later, right? Yes, uh, nineteen early forties. Yeah, that's right. Amazing. That is a great movie. I yes. finally got to see that movie about thirty years ago. And I thought it was absolutely great. So one of the one of the benefits, not to not to take too much time on this, but one of the benefits of VHS was that it introduced a lot of movies to you. Oh yes, that, that was true. 
that you know you didn't have to go out and see them. And movies like Citizen Kane, uh, that was one of those great movies that I actually saw because VHS. Um, that that that's true. Well, you could go to uh, you could go to a, a store and rent them, and uh, even if they weren't being shown on on television at a particular time. Uh, what was the, the the big the big change? He's, I've I've already forgotten the name of the big change. Blockbuster was it or Blockbuster? Yes, yeah. and they only stayed in uh, in uh, business a few years because right. along came cable TV, which now has and and now days I mean you can see any movie if you have a like a subscription service like Amazon Prime, which we do. They have so many of the old movies, and either you can watch them for free or. In most cases, there is a small rental fee, mm-hmm. but but uh, it's it's a just in terms of seeing old movies, it's an amazing generation. We can go back and really study and introduce our children to the great movies of the golden age. That's right. No, you're right. You're right about that. But anyway, one one topic uh, you mentioned uh, today over at Urgent Agenda, your blog. Uh, one topic that you mentioned: uh, the political fortunes of President Biden. Uh, who seems to be dropping, I think 37 is the latest number. Uh, Somewhere between 37 and 40 is where he seems to be, sometimes in the low 40s. But he's just not, he he is, whatever he's selling, the American public is not buying, if I could put it, if I could put it that way, Bill. And you have, of course, uh, the political situation with the economy. He's just not, that's not helping him. The foreign policy You've got problems in his party. Uh, about the only thing, honestly, that keeps him floating is Donald Trump. I mean, it's it's just amazing to me. If if the Republicans had another candidate that didn't have the baggage of Trump, I think that person would be up by 10 points, Bill. I think that's true. It isn't that the president is personally unpopular. Personally, people don't have much of a problem with him. Uh, he certainly does not come off badly and... and personal uh, regard, but they feel that he is obviously staggering, that he is too old and too infirm to be president. I think the uh, American people are beginning to resent it, that that is the only candidate presented to us by the Democratic Party. I think they're beginning to resent him, that he should have the dignity to step down or to at least say he's not running again. But the problem is that the Democratic Party has a huge problem. And her name is Kamala Harris. What do you do with Kamala Harris? Even if a committee could be formed to go to the White House and say, Mr. President, you do not have enough support to win the election. What do you do about Kamala? She would become president. And if, if truth be told, the polls show this, she is even more unpopular than Biden is. Right. No, she is. Actually, she is. I think the polls are, are saying that. And she doesn't seem to be doing anything to improve herself. That's you know, right. You would think that if a year ago somebody would have told her something like, you know, but Madam Vice President, why don't you find two or three things that you could become associated with? Uh, so the border would have been perfect. Uh, some other issue that you become associated with so that you can run in those things that you have done this or you have done that. Uh, but she, what is she going to run on? If she runs for president, uh, what is she going to run on? Vote for me. For what, Bill? There's nothing. There's nothing to, to vote for. Well, there, and, and certainly there's nothing to vote for that with her name on it. I mean, it wasn't as if she had some great achievement that she could point to. 
but she actually looks bored most of the time. But she also obviously wants to be president of the United States. And right now, that meal ticket, so to speak, is with Joe Biden. If he is reelected, I mean, given her her his age and condition, people say, look, he'll never live out a second term or not be able to do it, and that she will become president. And I think that's that's her game. Yes, she's hoping to outlive him. I guess that's, you know, in a cynical way, that's what she's doing. She's hoping yeah. to outlive uh, the the president. But I think what also hurts President Biden, uh, we've talked about this before, but but I think it's his appearance. His oh, appearance, yes. the, the fact that he simply does not look very strong at a time uh, when, as you indicated at the beginning of the podcast, that you know, problems, there's problems everywhere. Every window you open, there's a problem on the other side. Yes. Uh, and, and, it's, so, and, I mean, it's not, and it's not being solved. No, that's right. Yeah, I was, I was uh, looking at some economic statistics. These kinds of statistics don't always get coverage, but they're very important. For example, car loans. People are having very difficult time paying their car loans. Now, what the, and also consumer loans, credit loans credit card loans. So what that says to me is that when people do their budget or when they pay their essential bills, like the rent and the electricity and so on, there's not any money left over bill. So they, they have to start saying, well, we can't make the car payment this month or we cannot pay the credit card this month. So that's that's the scary part. Now, those kinds of statistics don't get a lot of publicity, but they are real to families, Bill. Oh, absolutely. That's where the Democrats go wrong, where they say, well, the rate of inflation has gone down. Well, that doesn't mean that the rate of inflation has stopped. Uh, it means that the ship is sinking at a slower rate, but it's still sinking. And also the damage done by inflation has not been repaired. People are paying for basic items 20% more than they paid two years ago, and they are feeling it. And uh, because of that, uh, some companies' profits are down. Um, local uh, uh, merchants are not making the kind of income that they should. And despite the fact that the statistics actually look pretty good, that they don't seem to apply to the average person. Right. Well, because everybody focuses on unemployment and GDP. But that's not really what the average family looks at. I mean, you may be employed, but you still may not, you know, be able to pay your bills. Or you may... You know, you may your economy, your home economy may be moving along, but you, you're not living. You've had to cut back on many things. And and of course, electricity is not helping the cost of electricity, the cost of gasoline, even though gasoline has fallen down a bit. Gasoline is so vulnerable to anything that happens in the Middle East. I mean, we could be at four dollar a gallon. I mean, if there's if Iran gets into this conflict, you're looking at four dollars a gallon bill, at least I in Texas. Well, four dollars is what we're paying now in New York, so we'll be looking at something a lot higher. And it doesn't seem to be penetrating right now. You know that there's going to be a delayed reaction. But we also have said all along on this program, it's very early. The election will be held a year from now, a year and about a week from now. We will be going to the polls. That is ten lifetimes in politics. We don't even know if Biden and Trump will be leading their tickets. If I were a betting man, I'd bet 50-50, whatever kind of bet that is, that they won't be. I mean, in the Republican Party, 
they're, they're going to have to start asking some very tough questions about nominating a man with all of Mr. Trump's legal baggage, even if we are convinced that this is a an, a, an improper campaign against him. Can you really nominate a man who is under indictment? And in fact, uh, the Supreme Court, I believe, is going to decide on whether a law already on the books in America prevents Trump from running. I don't know what the outcome of that case is going to be. So, uh, and, and then on the Democratic side, well, we just got finished talking about that. You have a president who is very infirm, who often wanders around, and we wonder in this now very dangerous world again, the dangerous world of war, whether a man like that should be president of the United States. Uh, it, is, it, it feels so unreal. It feels that somebody wrote a bad play about the American presidency. Right. No, you're exactly right. It feels like you're watching The Twilight Zone. Yes. At least The Twilight Zone comes to an end in 30 minutes. Uh, this just yes. goes on and, and on and on and on. Well, one of the one of the big problems, of course, that the president has, and it sort of relates to what's happening in the in the Middle East, is within his own party. He has a problem with a group of, I guess, it's men and women called the Squad. Yes, and these people are not uh, helping him on on the Middle East at all. In fact, uh, some of them, I think, they're pretty obnoxious in some of the things that they say, Bill. Yes. Uh, and this is not helping him because he really needs the crazy left to support him. And I'll say this, I, I may be dead wrong, but I, I really believe that in 2020, the left made a deal with President Obama, I mean, President Biden, or then Vice President Biden. And the deal was, we're not going to say anything during the campaign. We'll just stay out of the way. And you can, so we're not going to create bad news. We're not going to create bad news for you. So we're not going to say anything, but if you win, you you better owe us big time. Yes, Bill. yeah, I think that may be true. I mean, speculate. I, I don't know, but it feels that way, Bill. It, it, but as you said, it feels that way. And they seem to have inordinate power in the party, uh, even though that doesn't necessarily show up in public opinion polls. But some of the comments they've made about the war in the Middle East are uh, just absolutely obnoxious. Uh, and they are seen not only as, uh, as anti-Israel, they're seen as anti-American that they really, in the minds of millions of people, don't have this country's best interest at heart. Yes. Well, and, and I mean, the defense of what was done to all those Israelis, the oh, children. Oh, terrible. I mean, that you, because, I mean, you can, you can disagree with Israel and you can say, well, you know, I disagree with them on this and that. That's fine. But that's fine. And that's perfectly healthy, actually, to have debate. But when you cannot criticize people who are killing young people at a festival right. or murdering families. I mean, that's a line. You cross that line. And as far as I'm concerned, I don't want to hear from you, Bill. Well, that's exactly right. And there have been any number of articles written by professional pundits saying how completely dismayed Americans are that there are people in American public life who refuse to condemn that despicable act of murder and terror. And yet there are. There are. There's too many of them, actually. And they're disproportionately sitting in universities, it seems like. Uh, well, that's, an, that's another part of the story and a very big yeah. part of the story. Americans are finding out some of the problems our universities have and don't know they have until an event like this occurs. And they find their students on television supporting an absolutely ghastly cause. Yes. And the other day I read about this. This is close to you. They're in New York that they were blocking the Brooklyn Bridge. 
Well, it goes beyond that. There, over really? the weekend, yes, there was an attempt to uh, shut down the Brooklyn Bridge. I don't know if it actually worked, but there was a huge crowd of, of, of pro-Palestinian, anti-Israel supporters. Uh, and anti-Israel, unfortunately, in many cases, not all, but in many cases, means anti-Semitic. Uh, and on uh, Friday night, I believe, it was a group of this uh, of the, the uh, pro-Palestinian crowd that shut down Grand Central Terminal. Now, that's a major strategic transportation hub in the Northeast, and they shut it down. It was out of operation for a while. The police then came in and got it opened again. But yes, we are, we are having our hands full here. Uh, there are demonstrations in the Northeast but, and in New York in particular, and they are dangerous demonstrations. People very often have violent things to say. Fortunately, that has not spilled over to major violence. There have been a few incidents, but there was a group in Brooklyn that wanted to demonstrate against Israel in a neighborhood housing a large Orthodox Jewish community. Fortunately, there were no violent incidents, but it's, you look at it and you say it's just a matter of time. Yes, well, they're playing with fire. And, and at one point, they were even saying killing Jews. I mean, we're, we're now at that point where the, the rhetoric is more than just we have a, a disagreement over Palestine. The, now they're actually targeting uh, people of the Jewish faith. I mean, there was yes. a whole, well, now this is not in the United States, but there was a horrible incident at a Russian airport. Oh, yes. A plane came in and they were, you know, uh, threatening to, I guess, attack uh, the passengers who were coming from, from Israel. Something is out of control. And I think a lot of Americans are saying, are looking at that and saying, the country's out of control, a bit reminiscent, if for some of us who remember, a bit reminiscent of what was going on in 68 in the world where the world right. coming undone. And that was one of the things that that helped uh, pres or then candidate Richard Nixon become president, Bill. That's exactly right. And remember, he ran on a law and order ticket. And uh, he said, we will restore law and order and we will get ourselves a new attorney general. I remember him saying that very specifically. And that did help him get, elect pres uh, get elected president by a few points. But uh, yes, there are many things that are reminiscent of the 60s. Uh, and accept that this time the country seems to be tolerating a much higher threshold of violence, and that is dangerous. I wonder how many people, because I was surprised, okay, and I wonder how many people even know that our universities are that corrupt, or that, I mean, because I'm surprised, and I'm not easily, I follow <clears> the <throat> news, and I was, I'm surprised, but there have to be people wondering, what are these marches in the United States for? all these foreign flags. Yes. I think a lot of people must be wondering what the heck is going on, Bill. Oh, they definitely are. And they're finding out that we have a rather blind system of admissions of foreign students. Many of the people in these mobs are, are foreign. They're foreign students. And it's quite obvious that we have to have an entirely new procedure for vetting foreign students, that they must understand they are guests in our country and should behave as guests. Uh, yes, they, I think they're asking these questions. And also that they, they are shouting slogans that are not simply anti-Israeli. They are anti-American. They, they, they are anti-American to the core. And people are asking, why are we helping to finance these students? I mean, what's wrong with us? Why can't we see? And I think you may see a different uh, uh, political talk in the next year generated by the Republican Party 
which will which will call the Democratic Party the party of violence, the party of anti-Americanism, and to a certain degree, they will have a point, and the Republicans will try to fight back. But yeah. there, many people are seeing on the part of college students things they've never seen before. I agree. I mean, I would have never believed this. I mean, I, I knew that things were crazy at the schools, but not uh, not this kind of craziness. You know, they, they were crazy about like woke and stuff like that. That's right. But not not this kind of of craziness. I know that in in here in, in Texas, I know the legislature is, is talking a lot about defunding uh some of these universities are at least tightening up uh, how they recruit students. Uh, but one thing that is happening, and this is good, a lot of the people who contribute to these universities are not sending checks, Bill. That's exactly right. That's something we haven't seen. Uh, we have seen a couple of uh, you know smaller givers say, I'm not going to give to that school again. But there are now a list of billionaires with a B uh, who say they will not give anything more to Harvard or to the University of Pennsylvania. And there are now charts that are being made uh, in newsrooms and in uh, advocacy organizations naming the colleges that are the, are the worst in this regard. Yes. And I think even the New York Times came out and apologized for that story about the hospital. Uh, but I don't know how real that apology was. I don't know how much it was a, uh, you know, because they, I, I would assume they have a very large audience, Jewish audience. Uh, who reads their newspaper in New York City, Bill. Maybe that's why. Yes, they do. And I don't know why they do, given the Times' editorial stance, but they do. Uh, and the Times, yes, came out with a, a kind of semi-apology. They didn't go all the way. And and they should have gone all the way. Uh, but uh, the, uh, the the Times and other, a few other newspapers, some uh, television networks like MSNBC and at times even CNN, I think strike Americans as being completely out of touch with reality, which they are. Well, the BBC certainly does. They were oh, yeah. somebody made a parody out of the BBC uh, the other day, a video mocking the BBC about their coverage of the hospital, of the hospital, and and it, it's really funny, but I think it it reflects uh, how a lot of people feel. But you mentioned that all of this could be become a part of the campaign bill, the upcoming campaign. Well, President Trump is already saying that yep. if he comes in, he's going to deport many of these people. So it could very well be a big topic in 2024. And how does a Democrat counter that? I don't see how you counter that, Bill. Well, it's very difficult to. The Democrats will say, shame on you, shame on you. We are a nation of immigrants, always forgetting the fact that the immigrants we're talking about are illegal immigrants, not legal immigrants right. like our grandparents. Uh, and uh, they will say that Trump is this and Trump is that. And unfortunately, Trump gives them a lot of ammunition. Or And he, he will be tried on a number of issues uh, between now and Election Day. And it is possible that he could become, technically at least, at least until the appeals process works, uh, a convicted criminal. And there's no question that that presents a very dark picture for the, Demo for the Republican Party. Yes. No, it, it is going to be crazy. I mean, you almost... Like you mentioned before, it, it all reads like a very bad play that somebody wrote this horrible play about the United States. That's what it reads like. Yes, sometimes it does. When you when you see all of this. Well, Bill, the, the Republicans have a new speaker, Speaker Johnson. I have to admit, I didn't know much about him, even though he's from Louisiana next door. 
Uh, he's fairly unknown. I mean, I don't, I don't think a lot of Americans knew who he was. So far, I, I don't have a, any problems with him. But some people are very angry that he reads the Bible. And I'm, that seems to be driving a lot of people crazy, Bill. Well, yes, and that, you know, that, that to them is a symbol of the right wing. Uh, he, he does read the Bible. Uh, he is anti-abortion, which is really what drives them crazy. Uh, and uh, he is a de- devout Christian. And yes, the, the left wing believes that he is going to, you know, he's going to put w- women in, uh, uh, in the position of being chattel slaves. And he's going to do this and he's going to do that. And we're all going to have to have to swear allegiance to uh, his religion. Of course, he's nothing of the kind. He is a devout man. He's a, a very uh, attractive speaker, speaks beautifully uh, and speaks calmly. Uh, does not engage in ruthless attacks on people. I didn't know much about him before he became speaker, uh, and I know a little bit more about him now, and I think he's a man who comes across as trustworthy, and I think that's important. Well, that is, because the other thing that he can do, he can make whatever case he wants to make. In other words, he can express himself properly. He, he doesn't, you know, he, he doesn't attack people, which is a good thing, and, but he's very good at making his case when you listen to him. Like I was watching him the other night and he's talking about separating the Ukraine spending program with, uh, you know, the the other the the Israeli, I guess, program and then the the, the budget for the border. He wants these three things done separately. Bill, I don't have a problem with that. No, I support the money to Israel. And generally speaking, I support the money for Ukraine. But I, I do think having a separate bill forces people to have different debates, and that's a good thing, Bill. I think it is a good thing, and uh, I think he's a breath of fresh air. We'll see. You know, let's not prejudge it. Uh, He is just coming in as speaker. He's coming in at a very critical time in American history and a very critical time in world history with a major war in the Middle East uh, possibly getting larger and larger. So he he will be tested very, very uh, severely, and uh, undoubtedly he'll have the press against him. Let's see how well he can do. Well, the other day he said something that was very interesting. And he said that, don't forget that only the Congress can declare war. Yes. Uh, he said something like that. And that's very interesting because we may be involved in a war here. And our troops are going to be fighting. And to my knowledge, those wars have not been approved. Now, I know that we went into Afghanistan and we have fought terrorism under uh, a bill, I mean, a law that was passed 20 years ago. But this is completely different. I don't think the Congress is in the mood for getting into a war that has not been explained to the American people. We also have another problem, Bill. We don't have enough troops. That's right. And we're having recruiting problems, except, except in the Marine Corps. They never have a recruiting problem. And I wonder why. I, gee, I, you don't think it's their intense patriotism and, and love of soldiering uh, and uh, love of defending America? You don't think it has anything to do with that, do you? No. Uh, no, no, of course not. Uh, you know, the, the other services are playing around with wokeism and, uh, and the, the gender identification. Uh, and, uh, you know, you can just see in the Navy the captain getting on the bullhorn on an aircraft carrier and saying, this is Captain Holmes. I identify as me and I and him. And it's, right. it's ridiculous. It, it really is. is. 
But the, no, but, it is ridiculous because you're talking about putting young men in harm's way. That's exactly right. You know, you this is not, uh, you know, this is not the army of Finland. With all due respect to, the, to Finland, uh, I mean, this is the army of the United States, and we're usually the ones that have to do the heavy lifting. Right. And uh, so we better be prepared. But I am concerned about the recruiting problem. If we have to get into a war, I guess in if we don't have enough recruits, we're just going to have to draft them, Bill. Well, uh, going back to the draft would be a very dramatic step and would require a real national emergency. We haven't had a draft since 1973, I believe it was. One of the early years yeah, in the 1970s. Yeah, it was President Nixon. Yeah, President Nixon. Uh, I mean, that, that is, what, 50 years ago, a half century. And I think that uh, it would be a very grave step. Any president asking for a return of the draft would have to go on the air, explain it in detail, and be convincing to the American people because the draft really does mean plucking boys out of their neighborhoods and putting them into the military. Right. And and as as the last draft did, it divided the Democrat Party. So I would assume that this draft would divide the Democrat Party just as much, Bill. Well, it if they can get any support of the Democratic Party, I don't know. I mean, the uh, the Democratic Party's fate is is really being written right now, and will be written on the in the election of 2024. So, I they would probably get the support of about half the Democratic Party. Right, right. I agree. Well, Bill, one last thought here as we say uh, goodbye, or we as we finish today. What is this that I hear that New York City is offering to buy an airplane ticket for migrants to fly anywhere? I heard about that. I don't know the details. Uh, it's very undemocratic with a capital D. It's not the kind of thing you associate with the Democratic Party, mm-hmm. more with the, with, with, with the right wing. But people in New York City have just about had it. We do not have the capacity. This is and they're, and they're learning what the term sanctuary city really means. Uh, you know, that was a very easy word to use when right. people were virtue signaling. Now that it has come true, they realize the city cannot afford it. Yes. And it's so funny for us here in Texas, because uh, I guess about seven or eight years ago, we had a big debate about sanctuary cities here and the governor signed into law. Uh, what was known as SB4, which is the law that made sanctuary cities uh, unconstitutional or illegal. And I remember all the criticism that he got, a lot of it coming from Democrats across the country, saying that he was a racist, that he was discriminating, that this was all motivated by hatred. And now I hear some of the arguments uh, against the migrants in New York City and Chicago and they sound the same. It's the same thing that uh, they thought was racist. Uh, yeah, that, that's ago. right. That's right. Isn't it amazing? You see those meetings in Chicago of people say, saying, you, you can't put these people in my neighborhood. We haven't got, the, got room for them. And yes, it is true. I think that a number of people on the political left, for a variety of reasons, are beginning to grow up. They, they, may, they may even be soon eligible for their junior licenses. That's right. I think that who knew that Governor Abbott's decision to ship these buses would end up creating a bipartisan coalition against uh, uh, sanctuary cities, Bill. That's exactly right. It's a, well, the, the oldest cliche is that politics makes strange bedfellows. It does. And it certainly does. It certainly does. And, and I think the insanity of, of these sanctuary cities... Uh, First of all, they cost a lot of money, as you people are finding out 
in New York and, and they don't have any room for them uh, and they cannot work. That's the other thing that makes it difficult. And at the same time, I don't think they can get work permits. If you're in that, if you're in that situation, they're not going to be able to give you a work permit. So the whole thing is just blowing up in, in their face. Uh, that's all I can tell you, Bill. I think the Democrats maybe need uh, somebody like Orson Welles yeah, that's right. to, to make a show about life because it's crazy what we're going through. It, well, it's crazy. It's also dangerous. It is. That's the part that that is exactly the part that uh, scares me because we could be uh, we could be in a major war at any moment. Yes, yes, true, true. I mean, this is no longer a, a, a possibility. I mean, if Iran decides to get involved here, we're going to be in a fighting war with Iran very quickly. Now, we will prevail, but it's going to be at a very serious cost. Uh, and who knows what un unintended consequences there may be. Right. Well, Bill, as always, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your input. And have a wonderful week. And we'll just reconnect again next time. We, I look forward to it, Sylvia. Thank you so much, our our good friend, uh, our good friend Bill uh, Bill Katz, the editor of Urgent Agenda out of New York. Uh, he writes Urgent Agenda, and I enjoy checking it uh, a great deal. We definitely recommend that you uh, check it out. We have a link to it on the on the show information. Things we got into today, of course, the situation in the Middle East, the universities, and lots of other. You know, as I mentioned to Bill a minute ago, even somebody like myself. Who knows, I think, pretty much what's happening. Even I was surprised at how crazy these universities have become. Maybe it's because they're not that crazy in Texas. Maybe that's why uh, I reacted that way. Because here, yeah, there's crazy, but not like what we've seen in, in some of these other universities. But man, it, it's, just, uh, it's just crazy and unbelievable. And if you want to do something for Halloween... Here's what you can do for Halloween. Why don't you go to the library wherever you can and check out a copy of Orson Welles, The War of the Worlds. That is absolutely worth listening to if you haven't done that uh, already. Thank you for listening. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, and we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye, everybody.